Like we should have a cold open. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. We haven't done that in a while. I don't know what we talk about other than solo. Solo. We could talk about doing a pre-roll in the pre-roll. Solo. That's a little too meta. Is it? Yeah, we've done that. But have we done it in a while? Not in a while. Traveling the Vortex. We've joined Travers and Wells as they try to fight off a Martian invasion in episode number 368. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I am so excited for this new solo movie. <laughs> solo movie? Who's yeah. getting a solo movie? A bunch of people I don't recognize and that one guy from Community. We watched The Dark Tower. Oh, what did you think? It was okay. It wasn't great. Once it got to the action, it was really really entertaining it unfortunately it, it suffers from the you know such a rich dense world that they try to pack into an hour <laughs> of establishments and which was kind of interesting and did some interesting things but overall i was fairly underwhelmed other than that i listened to the 10th doctor adventure series 2 which was quite enjoyable even with rose in it <laughs> now this this Normally, I find Rose a bit obnoxious. She was not at all through any of this. She was a great character in all these stories. They were really well written. We watched The Cloverfield Paradox on Netflix. So the how reason is we're recording late. Thank you guys for the indulgence. Um, I enjoyed it. I, th- I thought it was fun. It's, uh, I, I thought it was clever. I thought it was entertaining. It's not the end-all, be-all of, of sci-fi horror. It's um, It works as a standalone movie, and I kind of asked myself afterwards, it was like, would I feel as strongly about, yeah, I enjoyed that, if it wasn't attached to the name Cloverfield, or would it have suddenly become a very unforgettable, or just, mm-hmm. you know, a very forgettable movie? I, I think it probably still worked, but I think it's definitely stronger being in the Cloverfield universe. Glenn, did you do anything fun? Uh, yeah. Other than it, your snazzy new headphones? I can't remember what it was, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to some news. All right. Our good friends over at Candy Jar Books have announced the next book for the Lucy Wilson Mysteries. Ooh. Curse of the Mirror Clowns. Oh, I can't read that one. <laughs> Written by Chris Lynch. There's going to be scary clowns in it. I'm no man. No. Now available for pre-order. I'm not going to give any synopsis because I want you to be surprised. <laughs> and I don't want to give Sean nightmares. That's scary clowns. It's... <laughs> What more do you need? Does it have a, a, a release date tagged along it with that? It does not. Okay. However, uh, soon. So apparently, March 29th, the avatars of the intelligence will be released widespread. Oh, good. It's been a very targeted release previously. Right. Now it's going to go to the wider public on March 29th. Oh, good. More people will get a chance to listen to that or listen to read that. Yeah. So that's pretty exciting. And then people that are waiting to listen to our review of it, you'll finally get to listen to our review. <laughs> yeah. They can listen to it if they take advantage of our new Glenn Reads You Lucy Wilson. <laughs> it's a uh, pay-per-play service. Just a small donation. No, it's not. But Glenn will come <laughs> no, to your house not. and read you a bedtime story. Nope. <laughs> if you saw our Christmas greetings video, you know this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> he comes to my house and read me, reads me a bedtime story all the time. Yep. In other news... Do it at my house, but I can't afford the 50 bucks a pop. Real Time has announced their next re- drama release. 
called Anomaly. It's going to come out in November of this year and will star Sophie Aldred, Miles Richardson, Beverly Cressman, and newcomer to the team Tom Chapman. It's going to be a sequel to both Deimos Rising and... Did you just say Deimos? Deimos. Deimos Rising. And the Doctor Who story, The Time Monster. It will also With, uh, feature... Kronos, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. It will also feature an adult Gordon... Gordy Lethbridge-Stewart. Oh, good. More real time that won't be counted as <laughs> <laughs> continuity. And the re- the November release is multi-region DVD. Oh, good. Yeah. Because I can't, still can't get downtime in a U.S. release. Maybe they'll make it available as part of a box set. That'd be cool. That would be. So that's a cool little bit of... News, hmm. and I, I did not expect a sequel to Time Monster. No one did. <laughs> <laughs> no one expects the sequel to Time Monster. Nobody! They should really do a sequel to Time Monster, said no one ever. <laughs> Some people like Time Monster. Baby Benton. Uh, our last bit is a bit of a Goodreads Book Club uh, housekeeping. The book for February has been selected, The Steelers of Dreams. It's a ninth Doctor and Rose book. And the poll is open for the next book with four different options, including two ninth Doctor, one twelfth, and the Cricketman. Why do I know the Cricketman? That's that that's a Douglas, Douglas Adams Adam. one that they're writing. Oh yeah, that one. Doctor Who with the Cricketman. Gotcha. So go on and vote. Hmm. Tough choices. Easy choice on that one for me. <laughs> Are you saying I need to put the cricket men on the schedule yes, sometime soon, Glenn? But we got to get Pirate Planet out of the way first, too. We do yeah. need to get Pirate Planet out of the way first. And we're about to get another slate of uh, Lethbridge Stewart books, so yeah. we better. Yeah. We should probably jump on that. Should plan accordingly. Yes, 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 yes. That's it for news. So let's move on to our review. Edward Travers, pulled out of time by a mysterious force, finds himself on a hill with a young man called Herbert George Wells. Together, the men travel across England, intent on discovering where they are, a world distinctly different from the one they know. And yet, for Edward Travers, it is one that seems vaguely familiar. For strange, meteor-like objects have landed in the heart of England, and the inhabitants of Earth have found themselves victims of a terrible attack. A ruthless race of Martians, armed with heat rays and poisonous smoke, is intent on destroying everything that stands in its way. Only things have not turned out the way Travers expected, for this is not the War of the Worlds H.G. Wells wrote about, but something much worse. Wait. Don't yell. Now go. I don't have a big enough dun-dun-dun for this one. (laughs) (laughs) He dropped the volume and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'll drop the mic if you want. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, I quite enjoyed this one. It was great. I'll read it again and again. I liked it better than Cats. <laughs> well, that's not setting the bar very high. <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody else go first because I can talk for. So I don't. Hour. I don't know if I loved it as much as you guys did. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun while reading it, but it just didn't. Just didn't hit me. At the same level, I guess. Why not? I don't know. Just didn't. 
I wasn't. I didn't find most of the characters uh, aside from Georgina and the appearance of Roosevelt. Most <laughs> of the secondary characters were kind of meh for me. I felt like there was a lot of mystery built up around the major, and he wound up not really. I never felt like I got a payoff on the mystery. He mentions his family's names, but I don't remember. It didn't. Nothing stuck out. Like, oh, it's supposed to be this person, and just. Oh, I didn't even get that at all. I mean, I know he said his kids' names, but his kid and wife. But when they introduced him, they made such a mystery of, well, he's just the major. He doesn't have it. He won't say his name. Blah blah blah. It may seem like there was maybe if be, we were Brits, maybe it would be. Maybe, maybe we would have picked up on something. I, I have a theory on that. It's complete <laughs> bunk, but I, I have a theory. What's your, what's your theory? As as I was reading. Um, I, I kind of got the same tingle that I felt like I was supposed to know who the major was, but I wasn't given quite enough information to really get there. And then as it went on and they kept describing the differences in this world and how it was not the HG Wells or the worlds that Travers was familiar with. And it wasn't the England that either one of them were familiar with and how humanity had changed, how they had gone to this, betray your neighbor, feral kind of, you know, doggy dog society. Something just started tickling the back of my brain. And then Roosevelt showed up and made quite the brouhaha over the fact that Tesla is the one that did the weaponry. And I suddenly thought to myself, this is Inferno Earth. This is, this is what happened is there was an alien invasion and they had to fight them off. And that's why everybody's so mean and nasty in Inferno because they they survived this back in the in the 1800s and huh, the major is in some way shape or form another Lethbridge Stewart he's related somehow see <laughs> and I, he's going to become the, the the group captain I went one step further I thought this was the world that was coming to end that James and oh Lethbridge that works too. had gone oh. to that Tesla had made several advances and you got the impression that something had mucked things up and the world the the universe was entropying that was that was the whole. Remember they they yeah, they yeah. side jumped again in that same book, and you were led to believe that Tesla was quasi responsible for what was happening to envelop that. Universe. I like that even so better. <laughs> I got the impression that 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 was this universe when they kept name dropping Tesla. I mean, Tesla's existed well, in our timeline too, but obviously he didn't make alien weapons. But <laughs> but there also wasn't but, an alien invasion for him to make alien weapons well, with. No. There was. We don't know about it because he defeated them. <laughs> Maybe I would have enjoyed this book more if had I had twinged on the Inferno Earth stuff because I never did, for whatever reason. And part of me wishes that I, I, I feels like they set it up, especially with the way it ends, that hopefully to have more Travers and Wells stories because we don't really get resolution with the two characters. Well, there's clearly tie. There's clearly a tie-in to what's her name from uh, Time Lash too. Right. Yes. Yes. Time lash as well. So, because he saw her in as as they were being transferred wherever they were going at the end of the book, he he saw her. Do you think that was? And we had that setup of that short story where their world is falling apart. I got. I thought it was more tying back to that. Well, I think it was because it was her contact trying to con. But in the end of that story, he's she's trying to contact him. Right. And that's this is where the contact is. But no, that's what I'm saying. I think they're oh, setting okay. up a further arc yes, with, with with the two that. Here's the most solid piece of evidence right here. 
they, they pulled a, a Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> when Pirates of the Caribbean was first being advertised, it was Pirates of the Caribbean. And then about two weeks before the movie hit theaters, it was suddenly Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. And I went, oh, Disney has enough confidence they're going to make a second one because there's no reason to put a subtitle on it if you're only going to make the one. This was Travers and Wells from day one. We talked about it. It's Travers and Wells. Now all of a sudden it's Travers and Wells, Other Wars, Other Worlds. No, subtitle. So we're going to get a second <laughs> one. That's proof. It does make me want to read more, knowing, wanting to know what exactly happened, what, if the Inferno War stuff is true, if it was just some weird slipstream of, <sighs> of the... Kind of like how Time Lash inspired Time Machine for HG. This is the inspiration for, obviously, War of the Worlds. It makes me want to... Sort of what I wonder is if they're going to step through a lot of different scenarios that are the yeah. inspiration for HG Wells' works. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we'll see a lot of parallels in the stories that go forward. Um, I loved this book. It was so good. It was It was a page-turner. In fact... I would I would read it on my lunch break at work and then end up being late back to work because <laughs> I kept reading. Uh, but it was so good, and I I love the uh, companionship or the the relationship between the chemistry between uh, Travers and Wells. I think it's fantastic. They're perfect contrasts of characters in order to mm -hmm. make one solid companionship. Um, uh, I really, I like the major. I thought I didn't like him, like him because you're not supposed to really like him because right. he is a bit, you know, uh, of that anti hero. I, I hesitate to say that, but he's kind of an anti hero. Uh, but he's that gruff, you know, no holds barred kind of person. But I liked that, that element of this story. It was good. And it also gave somebody to, uh, rub up against, you know, Travers the wrong way mm -hmm. in a lot of things that he did. Travers taking one view of the world and the major taking another view of the world based on his circumstances. I thought Georgina was a very clever character. I like the idea, the clever idea of, of locking away the information in her mind and requiring an alienist to get it out, you know, the hypnosis to unlock what she had seen. Mm -hmm. I sort of felt that the, the what she saw wasn't necessarily as big of a deal that needed to be locked away. But it was the MacGuffin of the story that they did have to stop this uh, chemical attack, basically, or bacterial attack uh, that was going to happen, this germ warfare. So it, it worked for me, but it seemed to, after they unlocked it, I was like, that's it? It that seemed kind of... <laughs> well, and as they started to unlocking it, I thought, are they just revealing what we already learned when they were at the other camp? And I was glad that they went at least with something a little bit different. Right. Because for the most part of it, it was very similar to, oh, look, they're sucking blood and Well, that was the other thing that stuff. I had a problem with is if they were using the humans as a food source, I understand the idea of total conquest by wiping the humans out, but aren't you then cutting off your food supply at yeah. the same time? I thought that was would an be. interesting point. But um, when Roosevelt shows up and the Americans show up, and I thought, you know, we're in a culture and a climate now in history where I think we're looked not so highly from other countries as we used to be. We're not admired as much as we were. Mm -mm. So it's really encouraging to read an author that's written something recently enough that, that does look at, at least historically, the big American icons. And, and 
and while Roosevelt gets, you know, some glory there, he is also driven into retreat. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting take too. And I, I was kind of glad for that because it didn't, it didn't make the Americans show up and just save the day, you know, Oh, Britain's in trouble. We'll save them again. It's, it, you know, they didn't take that tact. And so I was kind of glad for that. Yeah. Um, but I think that he captured the true, at least the icon of character that we are familiar with, with Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. When he showed up, I fully expected him to steamroll pretty much the rest of the story and was pleasantly surprised when he did have to go into retreat. It was nice, kind of. Sh- also, that showed uh, a kind of not sensitive, but uh, not gentle, compassionate. Well, a flawed side of him, a a weakened side of him. The fact that he had to go into retreat, a humble side, a humble side. Yeah, I I, I like I really like that aspect of it. There's a lot more good. I can't think of anything right now though. Oh, I, my my other and I, I keep, it seems like I I come into a piece that I really like and then I go okay now I'm gonna drill down on things I didn't like and I, I I frequently do that and I don't like that I do that but I thought that the end kind of wrapped up a little too quickly for mm-hmm. me as well um, I wanted a little more of a, a revolution a, a resolution especially with the fact that they've gone in to attack this chemical or this bacterial warehouse or an I warehouse a factory. Uh, that they're going to unleash on the world. And I didn't get a satisfying answer that they had thwarted that problem. I think the other thing that's left... thwarted that factor. I think that's the only thing that... The other thing's left-handed is there, and they speculate on what if there are other factories out there that we don't know about. Yeah. And I think that gives you... I mean, again, it doesn't... Once our once our heroes escape the situation, it's it's almost a... Well, it doesn't really matter now from the narrative because they have got out of there... So it's it's kind of like Inferno when you when you think about it the demise of that other world it affects uh, the doctor because he was there witnessing it and was not able to do anything about it but on the flip side it's a complete parallel universe that doesn't right. affect our world at all or our characters or character in that case that is transported to that world so it, it I I wanted a little bit of a, at least a, a satisfaction of leaving that world realizing that eventually it's going to be safe, but we don't get that, which is okay. That's that's, but it just seemed to be kind of wrapped up too quickly. And, and I wanted, and maybe they're, they're laying the mystery for further, uh, stories as well. But these crystals, I don't think there was a lot of information mm-hmm. on, and why this crystal lattice that was there in the first place that powered these crystals and allowed them to transfer too. I don't think that was answered, no. but maybe we'll get more of that as, as more of these stories unfold. I would have loved a small little coda, just a tease of what's to come. You know, if we if they could have given us, they landed somewhere, and oh no, what's happening? That would have been a great cliffhanger to leave on. As a as it ends, it could be a standalone, and then if that's the case, then there are bigger issues I think with the story because it doesn't resolve a lot of those issues. Yeah, you want a coda? I'll give you a coda. You ready? <laughs> the two men looked up. A third walked out of the jungle. Hello, gentlemen, he said. My name is Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Welcome to my island. Okay. See, I'm, I'm all right happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't disagree with, with Glenn, surprisingly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I, uh, I also felt that the, the ending resolution was just a little shortchanged, um, partially because... 
with our hero's escape and, and the very kind of neat way that, oh, the crystals are here, the factory is here, yay, we all, 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 all encompassing all in one. Um, so now that they've made their escape, as you said, we don't necessarily need to know, did the bomb go off? And it does, and we get a little, you know, extra bit of business there at the end, which I'm kind of torn on because on the one hand, I'm grateful that we got it so that I know as a reader, the bomb went off and that they were ultimately successful. But every other scene in this story took place in the view of either Travers or Wells. They were present for all the other information right, that right, we were given. Right. And so it seemed a little weird to have that bit at the end where they weren't present for it because they'd already left. But again, as the reader, okay, I'm glad that you gave that to me because I kind of needed that success rate. I also felt underwhelmed with the, the, the secret that Georgina was carrying. And, you know, it, 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 it seemed almost like, okay, so we were traveling and then this happened and then my husband comforted me and then we got to this plant and they were drinking blood and they were aliens and they were horrible. And that was kind of the gist of it. And then it wasn't really until later that it was, oh no, they're going to wipe us all out. There's a virus. And it's like, you could have cut to the chase, honey, and just kind of given <laughs> us the important part of it. Because nothing in her recollection really triggered in my mind that it was a virus that was being manufactured. I felt like Wells was, or that uh, Travers had pieced that together more from his experience at, at the thing. Mm -hmm. And then they were all like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. So I'm not quite sure why that was 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 set up the way that it was. But ultimately, there was enough War of the Worlds in it that I didn't care. <laughs> I, I was totally enjoying the ride because I love War of the Worlds so much. And I love the tweaks that made it not War of the Worlds, that it was just different enough that even Travers was on his back foot going, well, they should have died by now. What do you mean they're still here? Why is this yeah. still a thing? You know, that was that was really cool. Um, I liked the, uh, uh, I loved Roosevelt. I, I loved the fact that, uh, you know, the Americans rolled in and we're all like, huzzah, we're going to fix everything. We're going to save the day. And we've established the beachhead and we'll have you guys liberated by tea time tomorrow. <laughs> and then what do you mean? The boats are all on fire. <laughs> Just, <laughs> what? Um, so you're right. That humility that he had to display when going, oh, well, okay, let's go get the bodies and get out of Dodge. You know, that that was suddenly a thing. Um, if I'm going to nitpick, I didn't like the, uh, the, the, let's get on a train and, and travel all the way to thing. It was, it was kind of a neat time saving well, that was device. That's kind of the thing I liked a lot yeah. about it. I, I liked the scene and it was a great time saving device, but going That's back to war of the worlds, that was one of the first thing the Martians did. The tripods tore up all the communications lines and they tore up all the rail yards because that's, they're, they're not going to let you have that. So now that you've got a train, it's like, well, okay, Cool. And then the tripod starts chasing you. It's like, oh, this is a great sequence. This is, you know, oh, this is intense. Well, uncouple the cars and I'll go fight them off. What? Oh, I see. I like that. I thought that was kind of a noble end for the major, well, especially was, knowing that he was he was dying and he was accepting. It was a end. noble end, but you're, you're sacrificing one of your two heat rays for what is ultimately going to be a futile. Just stay on the train. Just get on the roof and still shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, well, but it, it, you're a moving target. I mean, it was okay. But the thing is, it was going to catch up with them anyway. So what Not they needed, the legs out what they needed to do was buy some time. And, I mean, even even after he started shooting and injuring it, it another one still blew up that carriage. So, I yeah, mean, there were two. 
Yeah, so I think that the, the, the idea was to at least distract the two while everybody else could get further up closer, at least advance closer, which yeah. I, I thought was pretty cool, too, that they didn't roll the train up to the factory, that they actually dive off of the thing yeah. uh, most of the way there. So I thought that was kind of a clever clever uh, device as well. So and then I the liked train that. winds up I being sacrificed. Anyway. I liked it. No, I, like I said, I didn't. It just it seemed a little weird. Um, but as far as the, I mean, the, the way it's written, the, the way it was constructed, everything else, you're right about it being a page turner. This was one that it, we got dropped right in and just, just, just go, just go immediately. And um, same thing. I, I would read it at break and maybe take a little longer on break than I probably should have <laughs> uh, because it was like I got to get to at the very least I got to get to a stopping point right but then I would hit that stopping point and not stop <laughs> so it didn't really matter um so yeah every every you know, it sounds like I'm nitpicking or that I didn't like it and it, it, I assure you everything that I'm you're doing what I do you drill, you're drilling down because everything is so good that I've got there's just a few little things that I have to point to so I don't know if this is a compliment or a criticism of the book there were a lot of times where I forgot it was a period set story. Aside from, like, obviously Roosevelt being. There there was a lot of times while reading it that I I didn't think, well, why don't you just do this? Oh, wait, they don't have that technology. I just, the time frame didn't even cross my mind of when this is set. Interesting. Yeah. And then I'd have small little reminders of, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it's set in 1898 or whatever. Yeah, 1899. Yeah. Because it was a year after Herbert left. Right. Part of that might be from an American sensibility that all of the versions of War of the Worlds other than the the, the book, um, all the ones that we've had that we've been exposed to haven't really been time period appropriate. Right, because I mean, the, the film was set in the fifties, and then the remake was set in the two thousands, and the, there's there's the a radio lot of play is set present day, yeah, yeah. Also in the thirties, yeah. yeah there, there's a lot of different versions out there, and I, well, there, and there's I think, one really badly done movie version that is period appropriate. But I, th- I think one of the things about it is because it's so far into the invasion that it's so much devastation. The year is irrelevant. Most technology isn't working anyways because of the Martian attacks. So it just becomes a moot point for the most of the story. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think that's a probably a benefit to the story. Whereas others, you can kind of start nitpicking of, well, why don't you just do this? Except because... for when Teddy Roosevelt and the Rough Riders come in right. and they're firing heat ray weapons of their own. And then you're like, what? This seems weird. <laughs> and then, of course, the explanation is is a well payoff. But, yes. Well, we've got Tesla on our side. So. I did like the, oh, by the way, speaking of other versions, I did like the Grover's Mill uh, name drop. <laughs> I squeed a little bit. There's <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of good stuff in it. I just, it, 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 it doesn't give you much time to breathe. Even when our, our heroes get a, get some downtime, there's just enough time to advance some expo- exposition. And then we're moving on to the next big, you know, epic sequence of, of something happening. Yeah. And while I felt like it could come, it could fall down on the side of there's a lot of capture and escape. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of capture. And no, escape. It, it feels like a lot of close calls and a lot of near misses. And in fact, I really, Oh, one of the other things that I th- I thought maybe was, was uh, left out that I don't think it needed or was missing was uh, Travers and Wells enters the particular tripod that's downed and they observe what 
you know, the, the video imagery that had happened on the on the Martian planet, and they understand kind of that kind of feels us the the reader in as well as as why, why the Martians have come to this point. And I kind of felt that Travers held that information a little too close to his chest most of the time too when they were trying to discover what the ultimate conquest is. And it does pay off that that Travers realizes. Oh, I know where we're going with this. It's total annihilation after they do the interrogation with the. So, so him having that realization, having seen that in the, uh, having seen what he saw, it wasn't necessarily exactly that, but it was what was the, the conquest of, of Mars, or the, I suppose the breakdown and deterioration or overuse of Mars. But um, when he seeing that and realizing, it, it, it helps connect the dots a little better that he comes to that conclusion, that he doesn't jump to that conclusion, that he mm-hmm. comes to that conclusion mm-hmm. based on the evidence. So that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing that I felt, uh, oh, it, it just went out of my head. There was another, oh, no, this wasn't a, another thing that I disliked. I really liked the fact that at the same time that they're in there observing the the things that are going on in the tripod, the others are being captured and taken away and yeah. Travers and Wells, you know, launching a rescue mission in order to, to, to rescue them. I thought that was really, really neat, really intense too. So that was a good moment. Well, like you said, it's, it, it feels like in some ways it's a lot of capture and escape, but I think the difference with this one is that it's not, I don't this, think it feels like it. I think it, you could, if you it could, if be, you, made. It could yeah. be made, but I don't think it does. I think the argument for me is that while yes, there is capture and escape here, they don't spend enough time captured necessarily right, for it to right. really count as a capture. Right. And the escape is done and it gives Travers and Wells <clears throat> an opportunity to, to kind of bond and, and, and come together. So that when you start at the beginning of the book and Travers is being maybe a little unnecessarily brash, brash and poke the bear with a stick. Um, even though that's his character that by the end of the, the the story when he says there's nobody I'd rather be on this journey with and you kind of get the sensation he's not just blowing smoke that he really has come to appreciate yeah. uh, uh, Wells and that Wells goes through his arc of being the idealist and the dreamer and the you know the the the, the perfect utopia that you get from his books to having taken a life and kind of being down in the trenches a little bit that you know he's come to accept and appreciate life a little more as it is than, than, than maybe where he was at. So I, th- I thought that was really uh, a, a nice payoff. Yeah. Another thing put that, that in the trappings sort of, of this capture. The thing that sort of bridges that is, is especially when uh, Wells is forced to set off one of the bombs mm-hmm. and he comes back and he's truly affected by that because he has, you know, taken some lives and for Travers to recognize and, and have compassion for him. For going through that moment mm-hmm. when the when the majors pretty much are what's up with him you know what's his problem you know it's, that was kind of cool too it was a nice moment where uh, a, a bridging that you know they're really coming to understand each other to that point where he says you know I would rather not I I, I would there was no one else I'd rather have by my side so I, I like that I also really liked Tra- or Wells's and Georgina's relationship the friendship yes. they develop and the fact that they don't actually. Sc- Go to the level of romantic aspect of I it. I thought they were going. That I thought direction. they were too. Is what it felt I was like so they glad bad. they didn't, yeah. especially on the heels of the fact that she just lost her husband. Yes, yes, and the, the fact that they actually once they start kind of getting there, it immediately shifts and Wells talk, starts talking about the husband. I thought that was a fantastic respect for the character. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think does well is it telegraphs that Crompton and her probably 
would eventually end up together too. It, it paints these little moments. That's where I thought just they were small going with ones it. that that they're going to that, yeah. that that relationship is going to end up evolving and blossoming as well. So I think that was it was nice to at least give us the the little nuggets to for us to jump to that conclusion that eventually they might end up together. So. Right, and it wasn't heavy handed. It was just kind right, of put out there. Right. Yeah. One of the other uh, going back to what you had said about the uh, vision in the Martian machine. It was cleverly written in a way that I don't know if you guys thought this at all. The, the descriptions about the, the Martian tripods and we're fighting off the advance and, oh, it's a war of this. Um, they, in, in my mind, it never was necessarily a, another faction of Martians that were fighting it. It could have been interpreted that way. But to me, it felt almost more like the Ice Warriors just pushed them off Mars. <laughs> like, we're done fighting with you guys. Get out. And and they, they he never came out and said it. Never came out and said this is what's happening. Um, but being from the Doctor Who universe, there are still Martians on Mars. Yeah. It's not these Martians. And so I don't know why, but my brain latched onto that idea that the Ice Warriors won the Battle of Mars and, and, <laughs> and forced the Martians off. And suddenly that just gave this extra little bit of tapestry to the proceedings. I was like, yeah, this is so cool. I kind of had the same inkling Did you? while reading that sequence, yeah. So I, I think that's one of the things that, that I just really appreciate about this novella is the things that are not said are are just as impactful as the things that are. Hmm. I like how it turns the resolution of the book, of H.G. book, on its head so that the, uh, the, the threat of a biological weapon is on the humans. Yes. Whereas in the book, the biological weapon ends up being the, you know, the refuge of the, of, of the earthlings in, in order to drive the Martians off or kill the Martians. Um, so I think I thought that was kind of cool how they kind of flipped that. And you can imagine that Wells maybe because he wanted a, you know, a happy, ending. A happy ending for his <laughs> book when he writes it kind of changes that. And that's the reason why he goes that way with it. So. Yeah. I did expect Wells or uh, Travers to say, "Well, this is how we beat them." <laughs> I've read the book, but I'm glad well, they didn't go that way. But I do like the fact that he confides in Wells of, "You write this book, and this is what's been happening." And the fact that he doesn't have all the answers for him, but he at least doesn't withhold that the entire time. Right. He actually doesn't do the you know stupid thing of, <laughs> and he actually communicates like right. most characters right. don't do these days. Well, it, it gives it an air of um, believability. Yeah. That, that for, for all of his uh, being a man of his learning, that Travers is not. That's uh, the word I'm looking for. Selfish, I guess, enough to to hold on to that information. I mean, some things he's going to play close to the vest, even with with HG. But then other things he's like, nah. <laughs> you, you need to know this. Yeah. It's just quality from top to bottom. It is quality. It's a great book, and I'm looking forward to more adventures with Travers and Wells. Mm-hmm. And, and kudos to the author, which uh, name escapes me, so help me out here. Um, Robert, Robert Mamone. 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 Uh, yeah, so kudos to him because uh, he's written, a to me, one of the best books I've read in a few years. So, novella. All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? 
Well, coming up on the schedule, we have some very exciting things. Uh, this week on the podcast, we are going back into Big Finish Land. Release number 102, The Mind's Eye. That's the one. It's, it's the twofer. Yes. The Mind's Eye and the uh, Mission of the Vivarians. Is that how we think that one's pronounced? Vi... Virens? Virens. V-I-Y. Virens. Virens. We've had Virens in Doctor Who before, haven't we? Have we? What are the Virens? I can't remember, but the name sounds familiar. Well, it'll be new to me. Uh, (laughs) Big Finish 102, Mind's Eye and Mission of the Virens. And then uh, the following episode is um, The Eighth Doctor Adventures Season 3, Number 4, Where in Dawn from Big Finish, along with uh, the Twelfth Doctor comics from Titan, uh, in their uh, year three, number five through seven. Uh, and then uh, the following uh, episode, which will finish off February, I think this is still on the docket, right, Glenn, based on your plans that are coming up? Is that to the end of February? No, that's mid-March. Mid-March, okay. Then, yes. This we're is still, still good. Still good for that. Uh, some more Brigadier talk. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Liberty Hall which is a short film interview that can be found as a bonus feature on Modwin Undead. So if you have a copy of Modwin Undead at home, you're going to want to pull this out. Uh, they, they did basically a uh, in-character interview with uh, Nicholas Courtney as the brig. We thought we'd take a look at that along with uh, the Candy Jar Books release, the Lethbridge Stewart Quiz Book. So you get a double helping of the Brigadier. And then uh, some fun things coming in March. So Very good. Keith, if people want to send us feedback, why don't they do that? They should go to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. Or, of course, reach out to us on any form of social media. And, of course, if you want to help support us, you can do so on Patreon. Uh, and thank you to those who already support us. There is a link on our website. Anything else we need to do before we close this show out? If that's going to do it, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.